I have to remain optimistic. I do. I have to believe that, you know, they may not come rushing out the gates on day one, but that the community does want to dine out again, that they want to feel that sense of being a part of a community, that they they want to eat the most delicious flavours from around the world in their local neighbourhood. I, I have to believe that that's the case. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Australia's culinary landscape is a microcosm of the world. As we all know, the food industry is global. The language of food has no borders. Although this series has focused on Australian hospitality sector, from time to time we're going to bring the stories from abroad. Ben Liebman is someone I've admired from afar for some time. He's an Australian. He lives in Denmark. He's the chief operating officer of Noma, arguably the most influential restaurant of our generation. He's also one of the clever people behind the Mad Feed. Ben, if there was ever a time for the Mad Feed, it's got to be now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. They've, um, you know, it's always been a place starting, starting so many years ago with the symposium. It's always been this place, this meeting place for some of the most um, important voices from our community, from the, the food system, whether it be chefs and cooks or waiters or farmers and academics, scientists, to come together to, to exchange ideas, um, to, to talk about what the future of that food system is going to look like. Um, and you're right, at this point in time when the industry um, both as a whole and also obviously the sum of its parts at such an individual and such a personal level is facing this existential crisis of what are we and, and who are we moving forward? Um, I hope that MAD as an organisation is providing um, a light, you know, a light in, in, in dark times. Uh, I think I think Melina and the team are, are, are kind of doing are doing what is right by the community in celebrating those that need to be celebrated in sharing ideas across borders, um, providing inspiration and providing positivity. Um, ultimately, I guess providing hope. Um, and I think all of those in equal parts are, are, are really important at this point in time. Uh, so it feels, you know, it feels it feels like a continuation of, of everything that Matt has done to date, but it feels more 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 prescient, more important than ever. I think we'll talk about this further on in the conversation because we we, we it is a bit uncertain about what the future of the food industry is. But I wondered if we could start by if you could paint a picture of what the experience has been like for you in Denmark from from when things started to change and the impact that it had on you and also Noma. It's funny, I knew you were going to ask that question and I, I went back to kind of look through the timeline because I, I know it's become this cliched comment of days have blurred into, into weeks, into months, into years. Um, 
you know, in this ever-present sense of Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, and I have lost track of time, you know, in terms of when when was it? Um, you know, the crazy thing is that I think eight weeks ago uh, at one of our restaurants, um, we, we brought together uh, our friends from, from within the family and, and across the Danish or the Copenhagen dining community to cook for the Australian bushfires. Wow. And I had this moment of, oh, shit, that's right, there were bushfires. And we had this, it was almost this last celebratory get-together. I was looking back on the photos and it was a really special night and a really special time thinking about, I mean, it almost feels very innocent back then. Um, and then what, two, three weeks later, the world completely changed. We, we had a sense something was up when, you know, the drums started beating louder. Uh, we could see that it's certainly within Noma, we were seeing some guests dropping out. We obviously had the luxury of a very robust wait list that we could call upon, but we could see a pattern emerging. Um, but really when it kicked into gear, there was this, I think, 48, 72 hour period. It began with the president of the United States canceling all travel to and from the United States to Europe. Um, that was an initial, oh shit, this is, this is real. And the senior leadership team started kicking into gear in terms of, okay, how do we respond to that? How do we, how do we be more nimble? Um, and then I think it was 24 hours later, the Danish prime minister shut the borders and I will, I will never forget that. I was, I was standing in, in, uh, our kitchen at home. My wife was there. My daughter was watching television. Uh, I'm watching the, the press conference live. I've got our CFO in my ear translating it for me because unfortunately after nearly four years, my Danish still isn't up to scratch. Um, and I turned to my wife and said, shit, they've closed the borders. And, and I think my initial reaction was almost this weird laughter. Um, and then that sinking feeling of, oh crap, this is real now. Because, you know, the idea of being in a place where borders were being closed, I mean, this, this goes beyond the imagination, I think, of anybody. Um, that, that we would ever live through something like this. And it's not to compare it against other generationally defining moments in history, but it is one of those moments. Um, but we knew at that point, certainly as it related to Noma as a restaurant that is so dependent upon international visitors um, that we were going to have to close. And then I think maybe the following week, we closed on a Saturday after service. We did a lunch service that day. Um, and then we pulled the team together. Renee dialed in from Mexico. He was still still there and, tr and trying to get home and juggling the challenges there with regards to flights. And he dialed in and we told the team that that was the final service, that we were moving into this period of family mode. You know, I remember him saying, we're not, we're not going into panic mode. We're going into family mode. We're going to be there for each other. We're going to support one another. Um, and we'll, and we'll make it through this. And then one by one, the other restaurants in the family 
uh, started to close. Rocio closed Sanchez, Torsten and Lau closed Bar. Um, Christian closed 108. Friends like Bo closed Iluca. And then soon after, the government mandated as part of a shutdown of, of the country that all bars and cafes and restaurants had to close. And we've been in that kind of Groundhog Day limbo period ever since. I think it's coming up on seven weeks. God, it could, it could even be coming up on eight. As I said, I've kind of lost track of time. Noma not only relies on uh, tourists to come and visit because it's such a destination restaurant, it also employs a lot of international workers, including yourself. We do, including myself, mate, yes. Can you, can you paint a picture on um, what it's like to be an international worker in Denmark? And I, I know that we've talked previously about what's happening with international workers here, and I think it would be nice to share a comparison. The restaurant community here is extremely international. It's extremely vibrant because of that. Um, you know, it is a place where an American-born uh, chef like Rocio Sanchez can move here, leave Noma, and open a taqueria selling, you know, the best tacos this side of, of, of Mexico. And that is because the industry and, and ultimately the, the community has placed value on those international faces and voices. Um, Noma is the United Nations. Um, English is the, is the language of that restaurant because it is the most common when you, when you factor in a team across our cooks and chefs, our front of house, our back of house, our management that represents, yes, Australia and the US and Mexico and France, Spain, Italy, it, it, is, it is a really wonderful place. As I say, it is the United Nations. Um, I think many of us, including myself, feel very grateful and we don't take for granted where we are in this current climate. And I say that both with respect to health and well-being, um, certainly for a country of our size, the impact or the numbers are, are certainly compared to Australia higher. Um, but by and large, Denmark has, has not been hit as hard as other countries around the world and, and in particular in Europe. I don't think any of us take for granted the fact that the government has wrapped its arms around the economy. Um, but in particular has also stepped in to support the hospitality sector. Um, and then none of us take for granted as international workers um, that we are part of that mix. Um, I, you know, I heard you and Danny talking and I've obviously seen her efforts. It baffles me um, that international workers who are so important to the face uh, of, of the Australian hospitality sector who pay tax, who contribute to society, um, are not being necessarily looked after in, in the way that they should. Um, we, we as international workers in, in this country 
are being looked after as you know important members of the community as contributing members of the community um so we all feel very secure um obviously none of us know where this is going to end um both with respect to the virus and what the government has done and, and the way in which they've gone about establishing these the kind of the support and the and the, and the, the propping up of, of the economy um and and what it means specifically for the hospitality sector i mean renee has said it a couple of times right now given where we are given the steps that the government has taken and i say easy in inverted commas but it's actually quite easy being closed um as so many of the people you've spoken to and as so many of our friends and our peers have said it from around the world when it gets hard is when we'll have to reopen and then we'll see you know did did all the action that we took as as a community as an industry as a as a country um did that do what it needed to do will consumer confidence return um as you say for a restaurant like ours but really for an industry like ours i mean the danish hospitality sector certainly within copenhagen anyway is dependent upon tourism um and you know clearly we're looking at it and wondering when borders will be allowed to reopen um will it be on a country by country basis will it be on a regional basis and then you know the big question that i think all of us are facing around the world is what will the conditions be um around which cafes and and bars and and restaurants are allowed to open and at the moment none of us know none of us know um so it's a it's a bit of a, a waiting game and a guessing game but but as a team you know we've been looking at various scenarios um about how best to open but also how we want to reopen uh in, in a in a strange sense we've been given a chance to stop and reflect um and ask ourselves what what does what does noma want to be on the other side of this what does it want to stand for and what do all of the restaurants that, that we're partners in um we're, we're encouraging you know the leaders of those businesses to to ask themselves the same question and maybe we're afforded that opportunity because of where we are because the government has given us that that's that safety net that security that we are allowed to or we're given that opportunity to to think about the future both short and long term renee and noma has always been about taking on new challenges and jumping in the deep end and adapting and you know they've done japan australia uh, mexico you know it's it's the challenge you know of, of the group you know they love that excitement but do you think that do you think that what's to come noma is going to change quite dramatically like what how what is the feeling at the moment of what noma might be i think i look i think there's uh there's short and long term I think there is some some excitement. I was talking to another Australian, James Spreadbury, yesterday uh, from the team, and I, you know, he just said we're ready, you know. And I said, you guys are like racehorses waiting in the gates. You just what you and they are. 
they're ready to go. They faced, they have faced challenges in the past. They, they both, both uh, those of our own creation and those outside of our, outside of our control, and they are the most extraordinary team. You know, I consider myself grateful to to to, to be part of it. But they are, and I know that they will view this as just another challenge. Um, albeit another one that is, as I say, it's outside of our control. Um, but Renee and I were sitting at the restaurant, I think just after he'd gotten back. And I remember him saying, you know, I, I don't want to go back to what it was. And and by that he meant, I think, just the, the speed and the pace and the, and the you know, perhaps self-created, but kind of just, just the... Yeah, I mean, the speed and the pace of it all. You know, the, Noma over the last 12 to 24 months has increasingly been driven by these two principles of obviously delivering to our guests and, and ensuring they have this extraordinary experience from the moment they step through the door, but also delivering to our team. You know, he started saying it's not enough to be considered the best restaurant in the world, whatever that means, you know, I want this to be the best restaurant in the world to work at. And so I think that is, again, some of the things that, that he and the team and we are starting to think about in terms of more, I think, the medium to long term, you know, what does that look like in terms of the experience for the guests? And what does that look like, therefore, for the team? In the short term, you know, he, he's, he's talked publicly about this idea of, you know, when the doors reopen, do we just fling the doors open and welcome Denmark back in the short term, but really welcome the world back um, and turn the space into something more casual? You know, I think he even talked yesterday about, do we turn it into a wine bar and serve snacks and, and, and activate the entire space? you know, beyond just a dining room and really say to the city, to say to, to Danes and then in time to the world, you know, come back and celebrate and heal um, because everybody is welcome. And, and I think there is something really special about that idea. Um, and I think beyond giving that chance, you know, that, that moment to pause and, and reconnect with the community and for the community to reconnect. I mean, you know, we're talking about people as, as it relates to diners who for eight weeks have, have not sat alongside in a dining room or a bar or a cafe, anybody. And it, I, I, you know, at times I get quite emotional with the thought of what that first service is going to look like in every restaurant around the world and every cafe and every bar as that first guest walks in because something that is so dear to everybody in this industry has been taken away from them. And I, I love this idea of just, you know, as we say, kind of just flinging the doors open and saying, welcome. Um, and in time, we'll go back to some iteration of, of the Noma that, you know, people are more akin or people, you know, are more aware of. 
Um, but even then, I think you'll see, I think you'll see some changes. You know, he he threw out the idea of Noma three in in some way. You know, when, when we moved, it, it was it was a throwaway term that suddenly got, took a life of its own of Noma two point um, which was fifteen years in the making. And Noma three maybe that's two years in the making. And obviously, the circumstances with which it came, has come about is is different to the last time. Um, but as I say, given where we are and and that safety net that we've been provided, it it does give us that chance to think about what the future should be. What's it feel like being an Australian there that, you know, is being looked after as an international worker? Um, but you've got family here and you've got friends here in Australia. What's it like being so far away and having the borders shut and, you know, you may not have had plans to come back, but how, how does it feel? Well, mate, I, w- I mean, we were there for a couple of weeks over Christmas and New Year. And again, that feels like a, a decade ago. Um, you know, Australia always feels like another world away when you're, when you're this far away. Um, it felt that way when we were living in London. Um, I think we'd moved there and maybe a month afterwards, one of my colleagues had to race down to Australia to see a family member that wasn't well. And I kind of was looking at the schedule of how they were going to get back there. And it was like, fuck, I'm 30, realistically, I'm 36 to 48 hours away from home. Um, and you realise how far that is. You realise it even more now, given frequencies of flights, um, that, it's a, <laughs> that it is a really long way away. But, you know, Copenhagen is, is home for us right now. Um, but you know, of course, there's. It is. It is hard. It is hard to 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 look back and speak to family that's locked into apartments. Um, thankfully, taking it responsibly and talking with friends, um, both inside and outside the industry, um, who have been affected by this. I mean, that's the that's the hard part, especially within the industry. Is is that you know you and I think talked about it once, you know, you, we, we look around the world and we see friends and peers and heroes who are going through the most extraordinary um, time and some of them won't make it through to the other side. We've got a fighting chance, you know. Um, I think, again, in part because of where we are, in part because of some of our partners and, and the generosity of our guests. Um, we've got a fighting chance and we will reopen. Um, we'll come out of it with a couple of cracked ribs and a chip tooth and a black eye, but, but we, will, we will be there. And it's hard to think about those friends from around the world who have lost their jobs. Um, you know, I was listening to your chat with Chris a couple of episodes ago. Um, and I think of him and his personal search circumstances. And I think of Janine and, you know, they're going through it tough. I think about former, former chefs, former team members of ours who, who opened a restaurant in Dublin a month before this all happened. And I think, is he going to get another shot at his dream? And what does that mean for him?
What do you think are some of the concerns globally for, for restaurants? And, and what do you think are the opportunities moving forward as well for the industry globally? Look, I mean, obviously the, the, the big concern is, I mean, if, if you kind of build it from that kind of micro level up, I mean, the, the biggest concern is the health and well-being of the industry. And I mean, when I, when I say that, I mean the people. Um, I was talking with somebody in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago and he said that for him is the greatest concern that he has is that this is a ticking time bomb in terms of the, the mental health, um, the stress and the strain that it is going to put on so many people um, is something that we're going to see in the short term but that probably we won't really understand for some time to come. Um, such you know mental health and well-being of our people uh and of our trade is i think you know the foundation of everything that we have and that has got to be a primary concern kind of moving up of course you know the concern is how many restaurants will reopen i mean in particular in the us you know you you read these figures of potentially 80 percent of restaurants won't reopen again um and you know, then, then I've heard lesser, lesser, um, uh, lesser figures where they say thirty to forty percent of restaurants won't reopen. And and you stop and you think and you think that's still an apocalypse within our industry. I mean, that is the the end for so many. And um, and and the, from the mom and pop shops all the way to you know, some of the best of the best is we are going to lose really important places. And then you think, well, well then what does that do to the industry? What does that do to hospitality? Um, <laughs> the shape of what restaurants will be and the restrictions that will be put in place, both in the short and long term. You know, I read what the, uh, the association has tabled with the government back home uh, overnight and look it's it's similar to what we're seeing and what we're reading from some states in the US um, I know I walked in one day after Governor Newsom out of California talked about temperature checks and waivers and all of that and I said to somebody here I really hope the, the Danish government doesn't read the LA Times because um, <laughs> you know you, you don't want you do. I mean sometimes I read about these restrictions and I think I'm, I'm, it, it reminds me like out of something of Blade Runner, you know, these soul, it's, it's pushing us, potentially expediting this push to this soulless, homogenous dining experience. In my heart, I don't believe that will be the case. Yes, what the future looks like in the short term is going to be really strange. Um, I hope that cool heads will, prov will prevail. Um, you know, I saw that one comment about, a necessity for restaurants to have separate entrances and uh, exits. And I thought, well, geez, we may as well get, get into the construction business because how many restaurants in Australia have the luxury of separate entrances and, and exits other than, of course, the big chains? Um, I, I really hope that uh, the voices and the stakeholders within the industry, not just at the association level, will be heard and that common sense will, as I say, prevail. But I, I have to remain optimistic. 
I do. Um, I have to believe that, you know, they may not come rushing out the gates on day one, but that the community does want to dine out again, that they, that they want to feel that sense of being a part of a community, that they, they want to eat, you know, the, the most delicious flavors from around the world in their local neighborhood. Um, I, I have to believe that that's the case. Um, I don't, I don't believe in the, 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 the doomsayers who say this is the end of dining. I mean, one positive, I guess, is that, you know, we have seen people reconnect with food as it relates to them cooking at home. Um, you know, that's got to be some positive, but I don't think, I don't think as I, it was, some, again, it was something I was, I was talking with somebody about yesterday is I think so much of that doom and gloom is being understandably affected by the experience of the people who is, um, who is sharing those opinions. Um, I think Kim Severson wrote a piece about the reopening of restaurants in Georgia and the comments. I'm, I'm, I usually never read comments in anything. Uh, I, it's, it's their rabbit holes. I don't want to go down, but for some stupid reason, I read it this time and it was depressing. And it was, it was like a punch to the, to the, to the, to the guts. Um, but then I had to pause and I had to think, look, that is, perhaps understandable, but that is based upon the US experience. And the US experience has been far worse than certainly Australia and Denmark, both with respect to the impact of the virus and the management of it and its containment by governments. And, um, um, you know, Danes are considered the most trusting, I believe, considered the most trusting uh, people in the world and that includes towards their government and i think you know again it's not going to go back to normal i mean who even knows what normal is anymore it's not going to go back to normal overnight but i i believe that in places like australia and denmark or at least i hope in places like australia and denmark where the government has um stepped in to to protect the community and to safeguard the community that when the government says it's safe to go back out, even with some restrictions in place, that the community will go back out again. You've got to hope for that, right? <laughs> you do have to hope for that. You um, speak so beautifully and passionately about the hospitality industry, but it wasn't always your vocation. And I wondered if you could just sort of compare sort of your previous roles, you know, you know, you've been in media and stuff and what, how the contrasts are with hospitality and perhaps why you got into hospitality. Yeah. Um, I got into it cause I was asked to be honest, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you know, it, it, it's probably a conversation for, a, for a, another podcast another time, but you know, Renee and I met over a tweet and a stolen book from the, from the Noma library. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Wow. But we, we connected and met and we stayed in contact for, for a couple of years. And then this is while I was living in London. Um, and I was leaving London and moving back to Australia with the family just as they were doing the pop-up in Tokyo. 
and you know he said come and take a look and i went and we were sitting at the bar uh after service one night and he said so what are you going to do when you go back and i said i oh, look i haven't worked that out yet you know it, it, it'll be fine uh we'll, we'll we're moving back to sydney and, and you know we'll do something and he said it, and it literally was maybe we should do a pop-up in australia and that's how it began. Wow. Um, and I think at the time I viewed it as um, that project, that is, as just another production, um, you know, that, that, it would, that it would need the similar kind of structure and rigour and set up as a, as a film and television production. Which we should say was, was your past. It was. It was. I, I was in... Yeah, I was in TV for, I think, eight to ten years and going a long way back was in the music industry um, on the label side. But um, I moved back to Australia at the end of January 15 and I think a week later I was on a plane to Margaret River looking at possible locations for what would eventually become Noma Australia. Um, and as that project ticked along and, and we approached uh, January 2016, started helping Renee on some of the other things that he was looking at, publishing and, and other media. Um, and he took me aside at Barangaroo one morning, I think it was October 2015, and said, look, when all this is done, I think you should, I think you should come to Copenhagen. So I rang my very uh, patient wife and said, that shipping container that we just unloaded from the UK, <laughs> I think we need to pack it back up and send it the other, back to the other side of the world. Um, mate, they are industries of, um, I mean, I consider myself so lucky to have worked with some of the most inspiring and creative and passionate uh, minds in in my career whether they be musicians or producers and writers or chefs uh and you know um restaurateurs and 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 the like um each of them brings uh a part of themselves and a part of their soul and their personality to what they do every single day and you know, despite their obvious, their obvious differences, the similarities between these two industries is quite marked. Um, you know, even even right down to the, the the pressure points. I mean, there are very few industries in the world where, and I say this with a wink and a smile to you, Anthony, but you know, where one bad review can, you know, in time close a restaurant, or in one bad review can send. Um, uh, a prime time show into late night or off peak or ultimately off the air um, or where one bad review can send an album that you know was anticipated as being you know a huge success from a top 10 debut to top 100 the following week and with that comes this constant striving for perfection constant striving for reinvention um, you know, no one is ever in any of those industries resting on their laurels. And I don't think any of them take for granted the, the, the power of the audience, whether it be a viewer or a guest or a diner. Um, and 
I mean, I was talking about it with someone a year or so ago and I said, you know, operating a restaurant, uh, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis is like live television. Um, you know, you've got to be ready for, for, for things to, you know, come out of left field for things to get thrown up in the air and, and be able to respond and going back to your comment, you know, the team that I'm fortunate enough to, to be a part of, those guys are the best of the best when it comes to responding to that. But I remember the person who I said it to said, no, I don't think the analogy is close enough. Running a restaurant is like doing live improv television every night of the week. And I was like, yeah, that's probably the, the right analogy. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it, look, they're, they're clearly different, but at the same time, they've, they're very, they're very similar. Why do you love restaurants? I love the people. And I really mean that. Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough, uh, to have only worked in my career in, in, in industries and companies for companies that I care about. And I care about the people that I work with. And that is not only the ones in the immediate, you know, restaurant of Noma and the family that sits around that. It's everybody in this industry. I see the passion and I see them putting their heart and soul on their plate and on their sleeves. And I see them, um, I see them, you know, rising to the occasion every time that door opens and a guest steps through and it's infectious, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I can't take any credit for for what takes place, for the magic that takes place in that dining room or those dining rooms. I am a suit amongst creative men and women, um, but it is infectious. You know, I, I feel it when I know that there is somebody coming into the restaurant that I know or we've helped, you know, get in, um, whether it be a family member, uh, you know, another chef, um, a friend, it doesn't matter just being there and, and seeing them uh, and, and being a part of that experience. That's why, that's why I'm here. Um, that's why I'm here with this team. That's why I'm, that why I'm in this industry, because I think the, the, the creative commercial thrill I, I could get in other industries. I could go back to media uh, and have that there, but it's ultimately, it's the people. And, and I think that's why, that's why what's going on here in, you know, in terms of the, 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 the challenge that the industry is facing is so hard is that this is beyond a company and beyond an industry. It's about the millions and millions of people who represent this place and this industry. Um, yeah. When you do open up the doors again and welcome in the, all the Danes and you have that wine bar or whatever iteration Noma is, yeah. how's it going to feel? Yeah. Um, celebratory. Um, I hope, I hope it is the warmest I, you know, hope it, I, I, I'll, I'll remove that. I know it will be the warmest the gentlest, the most fun, the most convivial um, place in town, place in the world at that moment in time. Um, I hope that we'll have friends coming back. 
I hope that we'll have people who've never had the chance to come to Noma coming in. Um, I think it'll be emotional. I really, I really do. Um, it was emotional closing the place and, and being a part of that. I think it'll be emotional seeing those doors reopen again. Ben, I could probably listen to you all night. You're an absolute legend. Um, Thank you, mate. I, I no doubt we'll uh, speak again along this journey. Um, keep in touch. Very much look forward to hearing your developments and really, really appreciate you spending time with us. No, I appreciate it, mate. And, you know, chin up to you and the family and, and obviously uh, to everybody back home. We will, uh, we, we will get through this. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Stay safe, isolate and be well.